0: Hello, my name is Lee Shelnut, and I'm the pastor of the Huntersville Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. That's a mouthful, so we affectionately know of ourselves as HARP. We at HARP welcome you to the podcast of our preaching and teaching ministry. We're grateful that you've joined us. If you're encouraged by what you hear, we'd love to have you subscribe. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we love sharing the glorious good news of the Lord Jesus Christ as we preach and teach through the pages of Holy Scripture. So join us now as we open up God's Word. This is The Invitation As you are, you might note two things. One, once again, I am not Pastor Lee. And two, Mark is not our text. We are turning this morning to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we will take our reading from verse 18 through the end of the chapter. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Word of God for the people of God. 2020 has now rolled into 2021. And the very glimmer of, of hope that most people have at the beginning and turn of the new year has been snuffed out. And I don't know where you stand, but... The last year and some time has been pretty rough. We've been stretched this way and that we've been pulled over here and over there. We've been pushed back and forth. We've rolled again and again. We've stood up and another wave has come and knocked us down. All sorts of things have have come to us. And for many of us might find ourselves right, right on the edge. If that's where you find yourself, just know this morning that you are not the first. Picture it, some 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. A sea right before them, and an army marching down behind them. And this is not a marching army that's sending them off in a parade in glorious fashion. No, this is an army armed for war against unarmed people. People who are, who, who are on the edge, Literally. And for them they are stretched and pulled because there has been a promise of glory and all they can see before them is the sea. It hasn't opened up yet. There is no dry ground. And they are teetering on the edge. Many want to turn around and to go back, but that's sure death. Even if the army lets them pass, that's sure death. Even if their bellies are filled and they have leeks in the pot and they have meat and they have everything they're going to grumble and complain about, that is certain death. But before them, there is no answer. It's only drowning to their eyes. And they're on the edge. And they don't know where to go. And they don't know what to do. And so they cry out to God. And if that's where you are, if at some point you find yourself there, or even if you're not there, you likely know someone who is, and you can bring them this word that we have before us this morning. A word of hope. A word to encourage them. A word A word to, well, not send them back, but to push them forward, even though the sea before their eyes hasn't opened yet. We're in the last half of Romans 8. Romans 8 is what Derek Thomas calls the greatest chapter in all of the Bible. I I tend to agree, but I like Hebrews so much that I'm not sure And so I might arm wrestle him for it, but I don't know. But it is certainly a text full, full of hope and full of the glory of God for those who are on the edge. Because chapter 8, where we are now, is talking about creation. It's talking about suffering. It's talking about a world subjected to futility. It's talking about groaning. It's talking about Pain. It's talking about hurt. And either you are in one of those places, or you know someone who is. And you can bring to them a word of hope. This text is held together by verse 17. We didn't read it, but we will now. Verse 17 speaks of of the adoption that we have. We are children, and if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided or if indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him the suffering, the swirl, the, the pain, the, the, the trouble, the turmoil, everything that you see in our day, everything that every generation has has endured and seen, I want you to understand that if you are in Christ, you are not going through it alone. Your Lord Jesus, full of glory and splendor. We saw that in Psalm 29. We saw that He came to this earth in Humiliation. The Lord of glory born in a stable. The Lord of glory who gave the law became subject to the law and endured what theology in your catechism calls humiliation. He suffered all the days of His life. His earthly pilgrimage. And so then... If indeed we suffer with Him, we will be glorified with Him. And so we have this link here between suffering and glory. It's a link that's been there from from the very beginning. They were standing on the edge behind them and coming up against them was suffering. Before them is the promise of glory. What do you do when you're on the edge? What, what do you do when you when you don't know what to do? Well this text this text tells us by the, the Holy Spirit that we should not despair. Because we are guided in our present reality. We are guided in our present reality by an anxious longing into present help. Our present reality is suffering. Our anxious longing can take us one of two ways, but the Lord gives help just as He did the children of Israel. So what is our present reality? We're going to take this text up in, in three points. We're going to see our present reality, our anxious longing, and our help. Our present help. So what is our present reality? Listen, listen to the words that the Apostle Paul uses to describe our present Reality, those things which will be with us well until either the Lord returns or our eyelids close in death. Present sufferings. Groaning, he mentions groaning a couple of times, futility. What's our present reality? Our present suffering. That's what he says in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. Now, pay attention to the word. It doesn't doesn't end singularly. Our sufferings. Christians are not one and done in They are not one and done in their struggles. The reality is stark. He doesn't say present suffering or we have a suffering. No, our suffering will be like Christ because we are united to Him by faith. We've been brought into the family and been made like Him and are being made like Him. And how how was He treated in His earthly pilgrimage? He was treated to suffering a lifetime. The sinless one suffered for the duration of his life. He he suffered throughout. It wasn't just limited to the cross. He endured temptation as no other. He endured sickness and hardship. He endured struggles. He had those trying to kill him even from infancy Hardship, suffering, struggle. His own family would basically say, you're crazy. They would turn their back on him. They would, they would come and try to take him away from the ministry which the Lord had given to him. Suffering. Throughout the duration of his earthly dwelling. And so Paul uses the plural here so that we can expect sufferings in this lifetime. Some more than others. For some people, their whole life is like, is like being knocked down by a wave in the ocean. And just when they stand up and they begin to dust themselves off and wipe the salt water out of their eyes, another one comes from behind and knocks them down again. And just as they're tumbling over and on their knees and ready to stand, another one rolls them. There is that reality. That is our present situation. We live in a world that has been subjected to futility. It's been that way since the fall. There's no life that escapes suffering in this life. There is no person who gets out of it because, because. What we see here, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. The Lord entered into into judgment. It It ought to cause us to hate sin in this world. Derek Thomas says it this way, God has cursed the ground. You toil and labor, but thistles and thorns frustrate your labor. God has subjected it to futility. He has extended into entered into a judicial curse, a judicial punishment that is in the world in which we that is the world in which we live. Don't overpersonalize the sufferings that you have to endure in this world. Don't assume, as a matter of course, that every suffering is some kind of direct punishment on you. Yes, search your heart. Yes, let suffering humble you. But don't add to the pain. The whole creation groans. It is part of God's decree. And Christians, even the godliest Christians, suffer along with it. We suffer so much that Paul says all of creation groans. Not just creation But Christians, not only the creation, he says, but we ourselves, is that your reality? Or do you at least know someone in this moment who is entering into that reality of suffering, of groaning? 2021 rolled through heart. Or 2020 rolled through hard. 2021 starting out the same way. It's enough to make us groan. Not just the whimper of someone who didn't get their way, but the deep groaning of the soul that, that you just have no words. You don't know how to respond, and one more thing, and you groan. You don't know where to go, you don't know where to turn, you don't know where to look, and that creates within us an anxious longing. And we, we, must, we must take care that that anxious longing doesn't, doesn't push us back, back toward that marching army, back toward those who bring sure death, back. To what may be comfortable for a moment, they let you pass. But it is not life. Let it make you long that God would work? That's the picture. That's the anxious longing here. That we have our our anxious longing as we groan with sufferings, as we struggle with sin and turmoil, hurt, and we come near despair, or we enter into despair, or we say with the psalmist that darkness is my only friend. Maybe that's where you are. Let it push you forward. Verse 19 says that creation longs with, with eager expectation. And we know that the whole creation has been groaning, and not only the creation, but, but we who are the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly twice. This eager waiting, this longing expectation, the, the picture is this. There is a wall. And on the other side of that wall, you can't see it, but you have been told there are good things for you. And, and it literally means an, a stretching of the neck. And so here you are, the wall is here, and you, you raise up on your tiptoes and it's, and it's just not enough. And so you, you crane your neck as much as you can to see over Don't let your sufferings drive you back. Let them push you into an anxious longing that God is going to do everything He has promised. You groan with sufferings. You see futility and frustrations. You struggle and there's turmoil and hurt. But you look with the eye of faith. Yes, yes, that wall might actually be a sea in front of you. And yes, there really might be an army of pressure, of of struggle, of turmoil behind you. But We have this anxious longing in hope. Listen to Calvin. There is no element and no part of the world which being touched, as it were, with a sense of of its present misery, does not intensely hope for a resurrection. He indeed lays down two things. That all are creatures in distress and that they are sustained by hope. We we have a hope that's set before us, that will be brought to us, even in the face of misery and agony and pain. And we have that hope because, well, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials, He has not left us to ourselves. He's given us a present help. You, You called it, I know, when we read. But look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. One of the greatest helps in this life is the Holy Spirit. We, we have the means of grace. He takes them and ap- applies them to us. And the reality is, as we read this, we, we take help from the Spirit praying for us because He says to us that we often groan inwardly. We don't even know what to pray. And so, as one old Puritan says, the, the Lord knows every word in a tear. We, we come to Him. We don't even know what to say in the face of what we're seeing in the light of the circumstances that we are, we're having before us in light of the struggles and the trouble and the trial. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's financial hardship. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. And we have nothing which we can bring but a tear. And the Lord knows. And the Spirit takes that tear and perfects it as a prayer and offers it up for us. We're not the ones praying. He's doing the heavy lifting. Take hope. Take courage. You have help by the Spirit. We have help. A very real and present help because sometimes praying is hard. Yes, Yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, praying is hard. Because we do get rolled and we do get beat up and we do stagger and limp and lisp. But the Spirit is given to help. He's interceding for you. Bringing them to Christ who as we see in this glorious passage not only is the Spirit praying for us, Christ is is interceding for us. McShane said if, if we could hear Christ praying for us in the next room, we would take courage. But distance doesn't matter. He is praying for you. And so you have help. When you are on the edge and you... You are about to fall off on one side of the other or the other. You don't know where it's going to take you into despair or into a better hope. Christ is praying. The Spirit is praying for you. Only not only is the, the help of the Spirit and of Christ praying, you have you have the purpose of God. We know verses 28-30, through they they speak to us. We use them in times of struggle and trial. That God really is working all things. Even those things which before us look like nothing but trouble. Which before our eyes and with the eyes of, of sight and not of faith, tell us that we're doomed either way. If I follow the Lord, I'm going to drown in the sea. If I I turn away from Him, I'm going to be slaughtered by this army. No. No, the Lord really is working something out. He has a purpose in this. We're not nihilists. We don't say that everything is meaningless. No. No, this world has been created and it's such a glorious purpose that, that one moment in heaven Will eradicate every suffering and pain that we've ever had before us. Every loss, every grief, every tear, every trial, every hardship. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. There is a purpose. And there is a purpose even now if you're standing on the edge and the sea is before you and it hasn't opened up yet and you're at a loss. Trust God. He is at work. He will not fail you. So He has a purpose and He's made provision. Verse 31 and 32, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Remember, it's not as if God doesn't have skin in the game. God Himself the second Person of the Trinity, the Divine One who created all things by the Word of His power and upholds all things by the Word of His power, He took to Himself a human nature in order that He might provide your every need and graciously give you all things that are necessary to bring you all the way home. Your Lord Jesus did that willingly. He wasn't under compulsion. He did it. He did it because He wants to. And the Father sent Him because He wants to. Because they love us. And the Spirit comes and applies this redemption to us because God loves. He's made this provision. He didn't spare his own son and his son suffered continually not in blips we think oftentimes we read the, the temptation of christ and we think okay that's good he was tempted there he succeeded no no with each breath he drew in with each with each step he took he faced suffering every moment of his earthly walking and he did it so that we might see his love that His love is great even in our pain. Even as we look ahead and before us is only sea and behind us is only army. We also have as our help the promise of God. And what is that promise? The promise is that as you or someone you love, you walk up to it and you you are standing there on the edge and you are about to collapse. You are about to lose heart. You may be even about to lose faith. You may be even about to turn and walk back and say they can do with me what they will. It's not worth it. I don't want to go forward into that. If that's where you are, there is a promise that is for you. That it might push you on. That it might help you in your longing that you won't do that because that is sure death. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Shall distress? Shall persecution? Shall famine? Shall nakedness? Shall danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the promise. Let it help you. The promise is that there is nothing that you will endure that is not from the loving hand of a father. That he will keep you, that he will bring you, that he will mold you, shape you, so that what you endure now will only, only end in glory. And those whom he predestined He also called, and those whom He called, He also justified, and those whom He justified, He also glorified. I don't know where you are. I don't know what the year has done to you. I don't know what what the year will hold for us. I don't know where you stand. Maybe you are on the edge and you are ready to go. But the promise of God is that He will do it. It may not be when you like. They certainly didn't like that they looked back and there was that army and there before them was the sea. But He will do it. And He requires of you only to trust Him. And He will act. I bring this to you this morning from someone and as someone who is on the edge. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, our Lord, be our help. Oh, God, give to us Your mercy and act before our very eyes. For if You don't do it, we are done for.